0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Old Testament Book of Numbers, but before we do, I've got a question for everyone. What is a good gift that you received but didn't earn? So you didn't do—it wasn't like, you know, you, you did something as a favor and then you got something back.
1: Uh, A recent one that was unexpected is uh, someone in our church actually thought of me and they got me a Captain America shield, like not like a little plastic toy one, you know, like that you might get for a kid, but like a real metal one with the leather straps and whatever. And it's awesome. So I I don't know what that says about me, but I was so pumped
2: when I I got this. Where in the world would you even get that?
0: Does anybody know? I don't know, but I saw I saw it. I was there when he was given it, and the look on his face was like a kid at Christmas. It was shields. awesome.
2: Shields Depot, <laughs> Shields.com, where the heck do you get and a Captain America shield? And my kids, oh
1: my goodness, I brought, I brought it home, and they were so obsessed with it. And my son, who was four and a half, he, he was like, I want to carry it. And he picked it up and immediately dropped it on his toe. Oh, And no. so it didn't go so well for him, but I love it. Even
2: though it injures my children. <laughs> uh, okay, so two things came to my mind. Uh, one is my wife's hand in marriage. Aww. Hey, baby. That's right. I'm giving you a shout-out here on the podcast. Uh, the thing that I received is this goes, this goes way back, and I have no idea why this is the first thing that popped in my mind, but when I was in my final, final year of Bible college, I was infatuated with the Expositors Bible commentary <laughs> set. I just, I wanted it so bad. But it's, it's total, like total Bible college. It, this geek, is, this geek is, to, yeah, this is total pastor geek stuff. But I, so it was like 24, 26 volumes or more than that. I don't know. But anyway, I knew I couldn't afford it. Um, so I asked my dad if he would lend me the money and then I would pay him back every month. Uh, and then when I got to graduation, uh, he said, "Hey, you don't need to pay me back for those for those commentaries." And I don't know why that just this stuck in my mind uh, because I mean the reality is my parents paid for like all of my Bible <laughs> college. So uh, instead of being grateful for that, I'm grateful for the the few hundred bucks of the of the Bible commentary set, not the few thousand apparently that they paid. Not more than not a few thousand, lots of thousands. So uh, yeah, the commentary set. Thanks, mom and dad. That's good. What about you, Nikki?
0: Um, you know, mine. Is, is a gift that some, some good people in my life have given me. Uh, so a good friend, Bob Rice, uh, Noah Kimmel, and my dad. Um, Bob and Bob is one of our creative arts volunteers, and Noah is actually on staff uh, on, our, on our creative arts team, and then my dad's my dad. But these three guys teamed up with a, a good group of, a pretty good group of a lot of other people too, but these three were the most dedicated. And pretty much coming to my house all last summer, and fall, helping me remodel it. I just bought a new townhouse, and the gift that they were to me in helping me turn this place around was incredible, and I will never be able to uh, tell them how much I thank them for it. So that, that was, it was an incredible gift. So thank you, Bob, Dad, Noah, and everybody else. You know who you are.
2: That's pretty awesome. Yeah, you said you'd never be able to tell them, but you just pretty much told yes, them right here I on, the, told on them. the podcast. I
0: told them, but it's not adequate.
2: Yeah. They, so, they did a ton of work. So your dad, Clayton my is, dad, and Clayton's no. dad, just gonna say oh. it out, I'm just going <laughs> to say it out loud right now. At some point, <laughs> at some point, there will be a dad's episode of this podcast. I don't know how we're going to make it happen. I don't know when we're going to make it happen. Bring your dad to podcast but, uh, day. But I'm pretty sure we need to make it happen, even if our dads have to call in and we do, like they join the podcast over the phone, because I'm pretty sure that it will be a pretty astounding episode. It's it's like bring your dad
0: to work day instead of like bring your kid to work day. Bring your dad
2: to podcast day. That's right. We could do that. We'll see. Could be a terrible idea. It might be. Could be a genius idea. (laughs) Bottom line, none of us get paid for doing this podcast, so we're willing to roll the dice and see what happens.
0: (laughs) Have some fun. All right, Clayton, why don't you introduce us to our passage?
1: All right. We are going to be in Numbers 23. We're going to be right at the end of that chapter in verse 27, and we're going to read part of chapter 24. Let me give you some context. This is the first C in comma. this We're getting towards the end of the kind of plot of Numbers. There's, there's a few chapters left here to read, but uh, most of the kind of big stories— are uh, culminating because Israel has been traveling through the wilderness for 40 years and uh, it should have taken shorter but because they were rebellious they didn't want to go into the land they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and the whole time they're grumbling they're complaining we've read about the ways they've rebelled against God and Moses and Aaron and all the rest and and yet God brings them to the edge of the land he promised to them and they're about to go in and before we get to them actually sort of entering into the land, the scene cuts. So it cuts away from Israel to a nation that's nearby, the nation of Moab. So the king of Moab is a guy named uh, Balak. He has seen Israel traveling through. They've gotten into a few battles with some different you know countries as they've been going along, and they've won these battles because God helped them. So Balak is, is nervous about this, and so he says before it gets into a, a battle between uh, us and them, I'm going to curse them. So he actually hires kind of a, a, a like a local prophet, you know, or, you know, a fortune teller, fortune is probably not the right word. But sorcerer. Sorcerer, let's just call it what it is. Okay, guy is a, a magician here, a sorcerer. And this guy is famous in the area. And so he says, this is the guy I want. I'm gonna hire him to come and curse the people of Israel before they get to me. And so this guy named Balaam, the this, this sorcerer, he, uh, he, he comes, and we're going to pick up in the middle of his story. Uh, he comes in to, to Balak, and he says, well, I can only say what you know God tells me to say, but I'm going to do my best. I'll try and curse him. And so, so far, he has tried to curse him twice. So uh, Balaam has showed up and uh, seen the people of Israel, and he's winding up ready to curse them, and a blessing comes out. Second time, same thing happens, winds up, curse, 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 blessing comes out. We are now at the third time. Balak is getting frustrated, and he says, let's try again. And that's where we're going to pick up uh, at the end of chapter 23 here.
2: Okay, so starting with chapter 23, verse 27, and reading through chapter, 20, chapter 24, verse 12. Then Balak said to Balaam, come, let me take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them for me, from there, and Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor, overlooking the wasteland. Balaam said, "Build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me." And Balak did as Balaam had said, and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Now, when Balaam saw it had pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not resort to divination as at other times, but turned his face toward the wilderness. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the spirit of God came on him and he spoke his message. The prophecy of Balaam, son of Baor, the prophecy of one whose eye sees clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob, your dwelling places, Israel. Like valleys they spread out, like gardens beside a river, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars besides the waters. Water will flow from their buckets. Their seed will have abundant water. Their king will be greater than Agag. Their kingdom will be exalted. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. They devour hostile nations and break their bones in pieces. And with their arrows, they pierce them. Like a lion, they crouch and lie down, like a lioness who dares to rouse them. May those who bless you be blessed, and those who curse you be cursed. Then Balak's anger burned against Balaam. He struck his hands together and said to him, "I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them these three times. Now leave it once and go home. I said I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. And Balaam answered Balak. Did I not tell the messengers you sent me, even if Balak give me all the silver and gold in his palace? I could not do anything of my own accord, good or bad, to go beyond the command of the Lord. And I must say only what the Lord says. Now I am going back to my people, but come, let me warn you of what this people will do to your people in days to come. All right. Let's start with some observations here.
1: The O in comma. What do you guys see in this passage?
2: I see a lot of confusion in my own mind. (laughs) Um, I've read this multiple times. I I still have to always remind myself, like, there's there's a, a switcheroo going on here. Balaam is a bit of a sorcerer, a diviner. He's calling upon spirits in the spiritual realm to bring curses upon people, right? That's what Balak is paying him to do. But during this whole thing, it says the spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And so it's no longer Balaam calling upon these, uh, you can call them demons, call them evil spirits, call whatever you want. He's he's now the spirit of the Lord is on him and he is speaking as if from the Lord. So there's a, it it almost tricks you into thinking that, that this guy, Balaam, is a follower of the one true God, but he's not. And so this whole switcheroo just confuses my mind.
0: Yeah, I picked up on the same thing. It, the, the fact that the spirit of God came upon Balaam was, this was an act of God. God caused him to bless the people. It uh, wasn't something you wanted to do, you know? I'm, I'm sure he probably wanted to come in there, do what he, do what he was asked to do, and then get his reward. And then at the bottom it says, well, the Lord has kept you from receiving your reward. I was going to reward you handsomely, but he stopped you from doing that. It, it's it's weird. It is
1: it is weird. You know, there's a, a more famous story about uh, Balaam that we, if it shows up anywhere in like a kid's Bible or whatever, it's always this one because it has an animal in it. So there, there's a story that maybe, you know, maybe you've already read it because you've been doing Bible Savvy or maybe you've come across this before, um, where Balaam, when he first set out to go meet with Balak, it gets, on, it gets on his donkey, he's riding along the road, and God uh, wants to kill him. So he, he's saying, I don't, I don't want Balaam to go and, and curse these people, so I'm going to stop him, that he shouldn't be doing this. Uh, you know, I, I warned him, but he goes anyway. And so uh, an angel of the Lord appears in the, in the pathway and is going to kill Balaam. Um, only Balaam can't see this angel, because, well, it's an angel, and that's not the typical thing you're able to see. But for some reason, his donkey can. And so his donkey is, you know, trying to avoid, you know, running into this angel, and, uh, you know, multiple times, kind of goes off the road and steers wrong, and Balaam's getting angry, starts, you know, hitting the donkey, saying, "Why are you doing that?" And then the donkey talks. The donkey just, you know, uh, speaks to to uh, Balaam and says, "Hey, you know, I see an angel. I'm trying to protect you," and uh, it's very much like a, you know, like. Uh, it's Shrek crossed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's what it feels like. It's very, very weird. But um, here, here's part of the point of that story. It's a very silly story, but the point is God speaks through a donkey, and you're supposed to connect that in some ways of he's about to speak through this pagan prophet. You know what I mean? Like this guy is is not the person you expect to hear from, but if God can speak through an animal, he can also speak through this guy who normally is not seeking after God. The, the Spirit of, of God is going to use him, even though this guy is all muddled
2: in terms of his, his spiritual life. God spoke through a donkey, like every sermon I've ever preached, Nikki. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, we could have got a
1: better response than that.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, what else are you guys seeing here? What?
0: Um, I, I think it's interesting how it starts out. I, I, I don't know. You're, you're thinking... I guess I'm still kind of stuck on that. Like the spirit of God came up on him and he spoke his message. But then he says, this is the prophecy of Balaam, son of, is how do you say it, Beor? The prophecy of one whose eyes see clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God. It's like, yeah, the spirit of God came on him, but he's like, yeah, well, this is, well, this is my prophecy. It's is that normal for people to state like back in the day, like this is the prophecy of someone, like of this person who's speaking it? Like, what what's the big deal with him going into all of this?
1: Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely kind of bragging on himself. Yeah, he's like I'm trying he's Trying to like think boasting. of any of the biblical prophets, like the later ones,
0: they do to their me. credentials. So I it, that that to me is just more of like it's odd. You know what I mean? Like, there's literally like four or five sentences where it's just him talking about himself and how he's about to speak.
2: Hmm. I don't know. I, I'm reading it again right now. And you no, know, the spirit of God comes on him and he, he says these things, the prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one whose eyes see clearly. I don't know. You'd almost have to, this would be like a fun cultural context kind of thing to see if we have examples of, uh, from this time period, like prophetic utterances and if they if they normally followed a certain like style or a certain form and maybe this kind of fits into that I, I don't know that, that would be a fun thing to, yeah. to look into it's a, a random tidbit I just remember this from grad school
1: sometime they, there is actually a, a fragment of a document from some nearby culture that is quoting Balaam. Like there's a like little fragment of a prophecy of Balaam for some other group of people. Um it's not very interesting, but it like he's he's a apparently a known figure in in this time frame.
2: What else do you see? I find it interesting that Balak is trying everything to get Balaam to curse the Israelites. And somehow he thinks if he takes him to another place. <laughs> yeah.
1: That you get a better angle on this. I have straighter an,
2: shot. I have <laughs> It's like a sniper looking for a <laughs> looking for a good perch. Uh, I don't know what to do with that, but I thought that was interesting. He's just trying anything and everything to get this guy to curse them. I I noticed in uh,
1: in the like the actual blessing here that it comes out of his mouth um, a lot of good stuff. You know, like you know, talking about just how abundant and prosperous they are, and they're going to defeat their enemies. But the very last line. May those who bless you be blessed and those who curse you be cursed. The two two things I thought of is first of all this is like about Balaam right there like he's doing blessing when he wanted to curse. But it also reminded me back at the beginning of this year in in the reading Genesis this was the this was the promise that God made to Abraham. He said, "Look, when wherever you go, like your family, like if if they if someone is against you, I'm going to be against them. If someone is for you, if they're blessing you, I'm going to bless you. And so the, here's Abraham's descendants, and they're receiving that, in a sense, from this nation that's watching them come to the promised land. It's, it's uh, just as they're about to receive the promised land that was promised to Abraham, they're also kind of experiencing that, you know, blessing uh, side of things.
2: Another one of my observations is every time Balaam ends up blessing uh, the Israelites— one of the reasons he gives, or the primary reason he gives to Balak for why he's trying to curse them, but blessing keeps coming out, is he's saying, the Lord is making me say these things. And Lord, capital L in the Old Testament is like Lord, the one true God, Yahweh. So Balaam is trying to curse the Israelites, trying to summon other false gods, demons, spirits, call it whatever you want. And what he's saying is, I'm summoning this, summoning this over here. But something is happening, and their God is not allowing me to curse them. Super confusing.
1: It's, I mean, it's, it's one of those like intervention things. It, you know, what if it was an army? Like, okay, let, what if, what if Balak hired some mercenaries to come and attack? If the story was the army came along, and then, you know, the, the, Earth swallowed them up, or you know, you know, I mean there's all these these stories throughout the, you know, these random interventions that are supernatural from God stopping an army. It's like they he physically prevents them from doing the harm that they would. In this case, this is like a spiritual harm. It, he's gonna speak his words, and it's almost like God just said, I'm like, I'm gonna intervene there. Like in this battle, I'm just not gonna let you wield your weapon,
0: you know? Hmm.
2: Which makes us wrestle with the reality that words Do have power. Yeah, and not just like not just uh, like if you say something harmful to someone, you you are hurting their feelings, but you can actually do real harm to somebody, Um, and that's just with with just the the force of our words. But then the the ability for our words to intersect with the spiritual realm and for that to invite blessing or curse. Like it is a, you get into this, these muddy waters of it's not magic, but you better be careful because like when you're, when you're speaking and you're trying to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When you're, when you're trying to engage somehow or intersect the spiritual realm with the realm you can see, touch, and feel, you are, you are messing with real things.
1: Yeah. 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 We, we often think of our words as things that are, um lightweight. You know what I mean? That it that you you say what you, you, you want, if you're, if you're wrong, you're right. Like, you know, we get mad at each other's words, but we treat them as if they were, you know, not that big of a deal when it comes down to it. But over and over again in the Bible, if someone blesses someone, like (laughs) these patriarch stories where it's like, you know, uh, you know, Isaac gives a blessing to his son and his other son's like, well, you got one for me. He's like, well, I already gave the blessing and it's going to stick with him because I, the words mean something. And, the you know if you curse someone like there there's a a weightiness of th- this has an impact because the spiritual world is real, and what you do with your words can can shape that it's it's not the way we think like we uh, people talk scholars talk about the modern world as disenchanted like all of, like we think of it's it's just matter it's just stuff and and thoughts it's not spiritual things that are going on, we just don't think about that. most people in other cultures they very much think about this, but in the western world. We just sort of have flattened the, the universe out like that. But that's not the world of the Bible. Let me give a little bit of uh, broader context as we're reading the Balaam story, because there's one little incident in the middle of this whole story. We just kind of grabbed one. And it's something that I, I find really interesting after you read the whole book of Numbers is you've got this group of people, the Israelites, who up until this point, like if you didn't, re- if you stopped right before the Balaam story, you say, do these people deserve to be blessed? Like have they have they done anything that makes it so that they ought to get some good things from God? Should God be should God be defending them? Should God be, you know, making sure that this guy pronounces these blessings? Absolutely not. Like they have rebelled again and again and again. And then you come to this story and when someone is trying to curse them, they receive blessing after blessing after blessing. And this, uh, let me let me share an observation that is not original to me. I actually got this from watching the Bible Project video about the Book of Numbers. But it blew my mind. It was so awesome. Um, They they pointed out how in the story of Israel getting to this point, seven different times in the Book of Numbers, they rebel against God. And there's this whole we've talked about some of these stories. In the Balaam story. Seven different times he blesses them. So we're reading the third one, but if you just turn the page, you just read the rest of the chapter, look at the headings. You don't even have to get to the details. It says Balaam's fourth message, fifth message, sixth message, seventh message. Seven times it says he blesses them. So it's almost as if God is saying, you guys didn't earn any of this. You don't deserve it. In fact, you've earned the opposite. And for every time you rebelled against me, now I bless you. Like, God's faithfulness continues in spite of his, his people's unfaithfulness.
2: That's reminding me of when Jesus reinstates Peter after oh, Peter's, good one. Peter's yeah. denial, and Jesus asks Peter three times, do yes. you love me? Uh, once for every time Peter mm-hmm. denied Jesus. Uh, yeah, and so there is a, another example of that.
1: Yeah. I, I really like that because it, it's such a vivid picture of, like, the major theme of numbers, that God is faithful. Even when his people aren't like, what, what does God do in the face of repeated unfaithfulness? He com- he stays committed to his blessing that he ma- the promise that he made to bless his people, which I I just think is incredible. <laughs> like that, that offers me incredible hope for myself. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, so gracious.
2: When you asked the question, "What did they do to deserve any of this?" I was I was thinking of the classic scales that people use. You know, I'd. If I just do enough good to outweigh my bad, that God will somehow accept me, right? And so I'm, I, was, I was using the scales in my own head while you were talking. I promise I was listening to you as well <laughs> while I was doing all this. Uh, but I was thinking through numbers and how much good was there, how much bad was there, because there certainly was a lot of complaining and grumbling and rebellion. But there were also times where they did exactly what the Lord told them to do. Um, you have to go back a little bit further into like uh, Exodus, but when he has them, like for example, build the tabernacle, yeah. and he gives he gives them very specific instructions, and they do exactly what he told them to do. Uh, and so I was I was trying to to weigh it all out, um, but obviously the scales tip way on the side of. Anger, mistrust, rebellion, complaining, grumbling, arguing.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how sometimes the stories that we remember in the Bible are sometimes the ones that aren't that great. Like you remember the ones that are like the more harsh ones, you know, the ones that bring up questions in you um, to where, you know, you read the good ones and you're like, oh, yeah, that's nice. You know what I mean? It's interesting sometimes how you can remember that, especially with the Old Testament, because it's a lot, of, a lot of weird things.
1: Yeah, they're, they're on a superficial reading of Numbers, or, you know, an initial reading, I should say, you could think God's just kind of angry and, 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 and trying to get at these guys. And, and whether they deserve it or not, it's, it's like, it's just, it, it's kind of ornery, you know, it feels that way. But the like, climactic story here at the, at the end of all of that is God saying, in spite of people who desperately want to curse you, I'm going to make sure you get blessed again and again and again. For, for every time that you, you fell, I'm going to
2: bless you. That's, uh, that's amazing, God. It's remarkable that God could even get them to this point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I mean, to the, for, forget the fact that he leads them into the promised land. The fact that they're even at the border, even thinking about going in is amazing.
1: Well, let's, let's move to the M in common, which is message. Is there a message you would draw from some of these observations?
0: Uh, the the two words that just keep popping into my brain is that is just grace and faithfulness. You know, God is so gracious and He's so faithful, and I think about that n- not only in when I see this picture of the Israelites in the Bible, but just in my own life. Like God is so gracious and faithful, you know.
2: My message would be that the story of God continues to move forward despite how badly the characters in the play are acting. God is, has from the beginning intended to bring his people into the promised land to continue to accomplish his purposes. That which he declared and promised to Abraham is still working its way out. Um, and God is faithful to everything that he has been promising.
1: Yeah, I'd say something similar to that. You know, just the, the statement I said before, if God is faithful even when his people aren't, I think it is, it is just remarkable that when, again and again, his people have given God every reason, every reason to ditch him, uh, God says, no, I'm going to keep blessing. And, and, in, and in some ways, every time you, every time you fail me, uh, I'll continue to show that I'm, I don't fail you, you know?
2: Now, it is true that there was an easier way for them to get there. Yeah. Right? He is being faithful. The story is moving forward, but they could have gone into the promised land 40 years ago. Yeah. They unnecessarily struggled for 40 years.
1: Yeah. The, 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 there's this kind of tension. So we like to... Sometimes we fall off on one side or the other, that, that we say, God blesses us in spite of our unfaithfulness. Absolutely abundantly true and, and the big picture story. And yet, he also says, your, your foolishness, your rebellion, all the things you do can leave you with consequences and, and, can, and can bring discipline into your life. And so we get this, like um, when Moses asks for, you know, to see God and God declares his name, and he says, you know, I, I punish iniquity, and yet I bless to the thousand generations. You know, there's this, there's a, a lopsidedness, it's like a few generations, you know, of, of consequences come from this, thousand generations of blessing, and yet both of those are there. Like this is, Numbers is a great unpacking of how that works. You know, the, the one generation misses going into the land, and yet God doesn't abandon his project with, with it, the whole people.
2: Or scarier, or better, depending on which side you look at it from. Moses was disqualified from going in. That is scary. I mean, I, I'm, still, I'm still thinking about that, yet the people of God still go into the promised land. It is, it is possible that in our disobedience... We can potentially disqualify ourselves from some of the good things that God wants to do in and through our lives. He's still going to accomplish his good things, but sometimes from our own choices, our own rebellion, we essentially bench ourselves mm-hmm. and God will find some players to put on the field. Um, and so it is, uh, it is both at the same time inspiring. Like I want to be in the game. I want to be on the team. I want to experience everything God has for me. I want to, I want to get to the promised land. Um, and there's some, there's some caution here, what we're reading in Numbers. So we're going to do the next M
1: in comma, which is meditation. And I think a good way to do this is actually can combine our meditation with our application. Sometimes our application is simply to actually talk to God and reflect on the things that are there and, and really soak it in. So I think in this case, when we've been talking about the faithfulness of God and the blessings of God, even when we don't deserve it, um, that would be a good time to take a few moments to actually remember very particular things in your life where God has been faithful, he's been with you, and blessed you in ways that you didn't deserve. So I'm going to give you 45 seconds to begin that. It may take you longer after the podcast. You may want to continue doing this. But let's start with 45 seconds to thank God for his faithfulness. All right. And so my guess is that if you've gotten started, you've thought of some things that God has done in your life, done for you, and you could keep going. And so uh, even when we're done here, I would encourage you, uh, take whatever time you need to thank God for his faithfulness.
0: All right, friends, that's all that we have for you this week. We hope that you'll join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, You can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it start reading along. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. And if you're on Twitter, you can find us there as well to get additional Bible Savvy insights. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.